The following message comes to you from the pulpit of Zion Primitive Baptist Church in Zion, Alabama. For more information, please visit us online at zionpbc.com. Welcome to the Zion Primitive Baptist Church podcast. This podcast is an outreach of Zion Primitive Baptist Church located in the Zion community near Gordo, Alabama. I'm Elder Chris McCoon. I serve as pastor of Zion Church. We're a congregation of believers who trust in the simple message of God's sovereign grace, where families come together to worship God in spirit and in truth through the simplicity of preaching, praying, and singing. Zion Primitive Baptist Church is located at 9487 County Road 49, Gordo, Alabama. If you live in the Gordo area or if you are visiting in the area, please join us for worship. We meet every Sunday at 1030 a.m. and 5 p.m. and on the first and third Wednesday evenings at 630 p.m. Today we conclude the message by Brother John Morgan Owens entitled The Disfigurement of Sin. Yesterday he shared with us how that sin is a disfiguring thing. Not only does it cause physical disfigurement. In the fall of Adam we experienced spiritual disfigurement. In fact, we died spiritually. Spiritual death is an ugly thing. And apart from the grace of God, there is no remedy. But praise God, the remedy for the disfigurement of sin is the blood of Jesus Christ. Today, Brother John Morgan brings to a conclusion his message entitled, The Disfigurement of Sin. But first, we have a song selection that I hope you enjoy. After the song, please stay tuned for another message of God's sovereign grace from the Zion Primitive Baptist Church pulpit.
I'll give you a few examples really quick of people who we see in Scripture bore scars from their sins. What about, what about old Jacob? Brother Jacob, he decided, hey, it's a good idea if I go and I wrestle with God. You know, you know we see God's grace in his mercy in that he allowed himself to be wrestled with with a man all night long. Now that's a merciful God. But nonetheless, the, the, the story that we're told, that the takeaway, the moral of the story, of the true story, is not that you go and wrestle with God. Okay? That's not, you don't get, that's not a great thing to do. Now it can be an example of how you ought to be persistent in prayer. Sure. Jesus endorsed that message by teaching about uh, the unjust judge, right? And the woman that kept persisting. The moral of the story really is that Jacob was in rebellion. Jacob was rebelling against God and he was wrestling. Have you done that before? Have you ever wrestled against God? You know exactly what he wants you to do. But you just keep filing that away saying, oh, maybe that's just some, that's, that's not God telling me that. And you continue to push against him and wrestle with him. Guess what? Jacob walked away from that wrestling match. The Lord, the Lord touched his hip. That's all he did. He just touched his hip and he had a limp for the rest of his life. You know, wrestling with God, wrestling with God will leave you handicapped. And, and he had a limp for the rest of his life. What about King Uzziah? Remember King Uzziah? He wanted to do something. He wanted to help God out. Man, there are so many people in Scripture that, that suffered consequences because they wanted to help God out. He wanted to go in and he wanted to offer the incense himself. But it was not for the king to do that. You realize that God is so righteous and so holy that he required to be worshipped in a certain way. Now that was the Old Testament, sure. But that is one of the main reasons why primitive Baptists, we have a very stripped down worship service, a very simplistic worship service. Because we know that God um, requires and God likes to be worshipped in the way that he said. Right? So we worship by the things that he said to worship with. Singing, preaching, praying, fellowship. Okay? That's why we do it very simply the way we do. But King Uzziah goes in and he, he, he got a little mad. He was a little offended that the priest stopped him. I mean, he was the king after all. And as he continued to persist, what happened? Leprosy broke out on his forehead. Now, leprosy is a scarring, debilitating disease. You know, I want us to, to continue to iterate, reiterate, that in all of these, all of these stories, all of these people that we see, even in our own lives, we see the scarring of sin. But notice, I want us to remember the hope we have in Christ. That none of these scars are really truly permanent, right? Jesus, when he was in the flesh, when he was here in his ministry, 
Guess what? He healed many lame people. <laughs> people who said, who, who, who doctors, who whatever said to them, you will never walk again. Jesus came to them and he healed them and they walked again. And what about those lepers? Those lepers that, that society t- told them, you will never be around your family again. You will never be around your friends again. You will have these scars of this leprosy on your skin until you die, which will probably be soon because of your leprosy. And Jesus came and he healed the lepers. He healed their scars. He reversed it, right? We can think of others who who their scarring was more in their heart. What about King David? The scar that he, he bore for the rest of his life because of his sin with Bathsheba? The scar that, that affected generations, that affected his sons, his daughters. Let's go back. We don't really have much time. Let's go back to 2 Samuel 9. Back to Mephibosheth. And very, very quickly... 2 Samuel 9, And David said, Is there yet any that is left of the house of Saul that I may show him kindness for Jonathan's sake? And there was uh, of the house of Saul a servant whose name was Ziba. And when they had called him unto David, the king said unto him, Art thou Ziba? And he said, Thy servant is he. And the king said, Is there not yet any of the house of Saul that I may show the kindness of God unto him? And Ziba said unto the king, Jonathan hath yet a son which is lame on his feet. Remember Mephibosheth made lame from a fall as we all were. We all were made lame in a fall, the fall of sin. Then King said he was in, um, in Lodabar, a far off place. Then King David sent and fetched him out of the house of Machir, the son of Amiel from Lodabar. And when Mephibosheth, the son of Jonathan, the son of Saul, was coming to David, he fell on his face and did reverence. You know, when, when he received those messengers from King David, you know what he was thinking. Ah, he found me now. It had been years. Okay, he's, he is, he's not a five-year-old anymore. It had been years of him being lame, of him also being the threat to the king. Enemy to the throne. And they found him. And they bring him before the king. And you know what he's thinking. He says, this is it. Had a good run, but this is it. <laughs> and, uh, and David said, Mephibosheth. And he answered, Behold thy servant. And David said unto him, Fear not, for I will surely show thee kindness for Jonathan thy father's sake and will restore thee all the land of Saul thy father. And thou shalt eat bread in my table continually And he bowed himself and said, What is thy servant that thou shouldest look upon such a dead dog as I am? Man, this is me. I feel this before my Savior, before Jesus, as he looks on me and I feel him look upon me with joy and with love. And I I feel like, who am I? I'm just a dog. Yet you look on me. I'm an enemy to you. 
I am lame. I have nothing to offer you. But yet you come to me and you say, I love you. (laughs) You say to me that you will eat at my table continually. You know, it wasn't just that David came in and said, I'm not going to kill you. You know, that would have been a mercy. That would have been a mercy. It would have been a mercy if, if God came to us through Christ and, and paid our debt and said, I'm not going to send you to hell. That would have been a mercy. But we don't sing about the amazing mercy of God, although there's songs about it. We sing about the amazing grace. What is so much more than him withholding the killing of him was that he said not only that, I'm going to restore all that was lost. God is going to restore all that was lost from us in the fall. And he said, I I want you to eat at my table. I want you to be here and to be treated as one of my sons. Isn't that what, what God did for us? That even he would take and he would trade his son for us. That he would take and he would send Jesus to the cross to die for us. To show kindness to us for the sake. For his own sake. So you see here that we have a man who was scarred and disfigured in a fall. Now this is not a perfect image of what happens because with us... Our scars are going to be completely healed. This man stayed lame for the rest of his life. But it's still an image, obviously, of the beauty of your redemption. Of the redemption that God had for you. Do you think that Mephibosheth did anything to warrant this? No, as a matter of fact, it was for Jonathan's sake that they did this. Right? God saved you and loved you for Christ's sake. We still bear these scars in this life. But as I mentioned, in heaven, you're not going to have these scars. Okay? I've got an injury on my hand from from this weekend. My dad's probably going to laugh about this. We were working on a barn uh, together Friday. And uh, I'll explain it to you a little bit more in just a second. I was injured. Okay? These soft little lawyer hands got injured. <laughs> and it may leave a scar, I don't know. It may, it may not be that bad, I don't know. But nonetheless, I know this, in heaven we won't have scars, right? We won't have sickness. We won't have uh, these, you know, these things like you know, uh, diabetes and, uh, and heart conditions uh, and, and very, very serious uh, conditions that we all may have, that we have, may know of people that have them. We won't have scars in heaven, but there will be some scars in heaven. Isn't it something that it was our fault? It was, it was Adam's fault, but I share the blame in that. It was our fault that we fell in sin and disfigurement of sin came. The scarring of sin. But yet in heaven, you're not going to have scars. He's going to wipe away your tears. He's going to wipe away 
all of these, uh, all the broken things in your life, it's going to be made right. Yet we see images into heaven. We see it in Revelation. We see these little snapshots into heaven. Where do we see this line of the tribe of Judah, Savior? No, we see a lamb as it was slain from the foundation of the world. It's amazing. It's amazing to me that God, who can appear any way He wants to, He chooses in heaven to bear the scars of the nail prints of the hands and His riven side. How do I know that He's like that in heaven? Well, when He came back, He was resurrected. He had the scars. He showed the scars. Remember Thomas asking about that? And Jesus said to him, Here's, here is the print of the nails. Here is my side where they pierced it through with a spear. You can, you can put your hand inside of it. It's proof. A scar is a proof of something. Isn't it amazing that we're going to be there perfectly uh, beautiful without scars, but yet Jesus will be there bearing the tokens of His love for you in the print of the nails and in His side forever. Isn't that amazing? I don't have much time, but I think I always share this. <laughs> Meredith hates when I do this. I've got one of my favorite shirts that I have is this red and white checkered shirt. It was a hand-me-down from one of my brothers. I don't know who in their right mind would design a shirt that has red and white checkers. I mean, how, do you, how are you supposed to wash that thing, right? Do you put it in, do you put it in with the reds? Do you put it in with the whites? I mean, you're, you're, you're stuck either way. That thing is gonna, it's gonna bleed the colors. It's just gonna be a mess. Well, Meredith uh, was washing it and, it and it bled, okay? It did. It's not her fault. It's, it's the fault of whoever designed that shirt. But nonetheless, it's not red and white checkered anymore. It's red and pink now, okay? And, and it's not uniform. It just happens to be on the sleeves. It's blotchy of pink. Now, a normal person would rotate that shirt out of the, out of the circulation of shirts they wear, right? But as you know, I'm not a normal person. So I'll wear that shirt. I still wear that shirt. It's one of my favorite shirts. Why do I wear a shirt that has weird blotches on it? Well, for one, I like to look at that pink blotches. Even though it's a scarring, it's a marring on that shirt. But I look at it and I see it's a token to me of the love that my wife has for me and the love that I have for her. Every time I see it, now, why does, why does your Savior appear in glory, already victorious, with scarring on His body? I think it's because every time He looks at it, He is reminded of the love that He has for you. It is a precious thing. Exodus 21 and verse 1. I don't, I don't have as much time to go into all the nuance as I wanted to. Maybe we can talk about it later. But I do want to share this with you. 
Now these are the judgments which thou shalt set before them. If thou buy a Hebrew servant, six years he shall serve, and in the seventh he shall go out free for nothing. This is not an endorsement of slavery, okay? As a matter of fact, you see in Scripture where God, uh, where uh, the Scriptures deal with the institution of slavery, but they always uphold the rights of man, right? The rights that that servant has. If he came in by himself, he shall go out by himself. If he were married, then his wife shall go out with him. If he were married before he came into servitude, then when he leaves, his wife leaves with him. If his master have given him a wife, she have borne him sons or daughters, the wife and her children shall be her masters, and he shall go out by himself. Imagine how sad that would be. If you had fallen in love, you had been... Uh, you had been wed, you had had children during this time of your servitude, and then your day of freedom came. You were free to leave, but yet your children and your wife were going to stay there behind. Verse 5, And if the servant shall plainly say, I love my master, my wife, and my children, I will not go out free. Then his master shall bring him unto the judges, he shall also bring him to the door or unto the doorpost, and his master shall bore his ear through with an awl, and he shall serve him forever. Now this seems pretty violent and graphic, doesn't it? Everything. If you see something in Scripture and you say, well, that's just weird. What's that there for? It is most likely pointing to Jesus Christ. Okay? Jesus had the option, if you will, Although he really didn't because he, he bound himself by his word. But he had the option to not save you on the cross. He, he was at liberty to not do that. What did he do? He chose to go to that cross and to be born through to bear scars for you. This, this servant would basically say, I love my master. I don't want to go free. I love my wife. Didn't Jesus love his wife? Didn't he love you? He said, I want to continue in this. And so what they would do is they would take him and they would take an awl, which as best I can tell uh, is some type of drill. You know, it's not a, I don't think it's a nail because then they could have just said nailed to the, to the house. I think it's a drill. And so they would have drilled through his ear to the house. It was an image saying you are attached to this house. Your Savior is attached to the house of God. So much so that he would bear that, he would bear that scar for you for the rest of his life. I didn't have as much time to go into that as I'd like to. I know um, I'm about to go over. I, I can owe you some time. Um, but this weekend... As I said, I got this injury on my poor little hand. And what was happening was that we were, uh, we were fixing the barn. The, the last uh, support post for the roof had, had rotted, and it had caved in, so the whole roof was going to cave in if we didn't do something. Uh, so what we needed to do was lift up the roof, take that out, and replace it with a metal beam. Sounds easy. Sounds, sounds fun. What we did uh, was we, we got it all in place, and then we're, we're on the hay bales underneath it. Daddy's up on the ladder, and he's got his favorite cordless 
electric drill. It's an impact port-a-cable. I mean, it is, it is sweet, right? It's his favorite drill. I know it because he talks about it. <laughs> and he's got this little, uh, I forget what the name is. It's not Phillips head. It's the little star torque. Yeah, now that thing, it'll tear your skin up, let me just tell you. <laughs> he's got that bit on there, and, and he's, he's pretty far up, and he says, hey, I'm going to toss it to you. Which didn't seem like a good idea, but, you know, we did it. Um, it it would have been fine, except he clipped uh, one of the cross uh, two-by-sixes of the barn, and it just starts spinning in air, like a wheel of death, right? (laughs) With that bit on it. Now, as I said, a normal person might have just said, I'm going to let that one slide. But I'm not a normal person. But also, look, look at this. I'm not trying to puff myself up. I know my dad loves that drill, okay? You think I'm gonna? You think I'm gonna just idly sit by and let that thing fall down 30 feet to the ground and, and possibly break? So I go in and I catch it. You know, thankfully I caught it bit first. You know, it went bit right into the hand, and you just immediately knew something was wrong. <laughs> um, you know, of course I'm not. I'm not puffing myself up because I immediately got down off the bales like a little baby and went home and washed it out and and put a, and uh, wrapped it up. And by the time I got back, they were already done, but, you know, it's okay. Um, you know, but the point is, <laughs> I'm not saying I'm a, I'm a great son. I love my daddy way too much to have let that drill hit the ground without me doing something, okay? And it hurt, and I bear scars from it. I kind of hope that it scars up and I have it for the rest of my life. That way, every time I look at it, I can say, you know that... I remember that time. I remember how much I loved my daddy, right? Your Savior was too faithful a son to not go to that cross for you. You're you're God's favorite creation. He was going to go through that, no matter the cost, to catch you in His hands, right? And He bears the scars in heaven as a token of his love for you. Thank you for joining us today on the Zion Primitive Baptist Church podcast. I hope the message has been uplifting and beneficial to you and that the Lord will continue to bless you to grow in grace and knowledge of the truth. Join us again tomorrow for another message of God's sovereign grace. If you would like to subscribe to our website, please go to www.zionpbc.com and sign up for email updates. If you have any questions, please feel free to contact the church at zionpbc1847 at gmail.com. That's zionpbc1847 at gmail.com. Or you can email me directly at jchrismacool at gmail.com. That's the letter J-C-H-R-I-S-M-C-C-O-O-L at gmail.com. Again, thank you for listening. May the Lord bless you is my prayer. We thank you for listening to today's message. For more information, please visit us online at zionpbc.com.